Thank you again for this morning and thank you again for the opportunity you've given us, Lord, to worship you, to give to you, and now, Lord, to open our hearts to you, Lord. We give you this time, our attention, our mind, and our hearts, Lord. We are open to what you have to say to us this morning and help us, Lord, to receive it, God, with a, with a happy heart, with a heart that is just welcoming you, Lord. We ask you speak, Lord. I pray that you'd have a special word to each one of us, Lord, as the Holy Spirit ministered to us. And God, may we leave here, Lord, just as Jared prayed, different than how we came in, Lord. May, may you do a, a deep work within us, Lord, today. And may we understand some things that we never understand before. And may we take that with us, with your truth, and may it powerfully change us as we live for you this week. So, Lord, we give this up to you. We ask for the anointing of your spirit, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. For a New Year's resolution, a man wanted to lose weight. So he decided that it was best if he not drive past Krispy Kreme. <laughs> On his way to work, he usually drove there, and he had a habit of picking up a box or two for the office, and of course, going in, you grab some more donuts for yourself, right? So he took an alternative route to avoid any temptation that might come to him. Well, this worked for a few days until one day he absentmindedly took the old route past Krispy Kreme. Well, when he walked into the office with a box of donuts half gone, everyone asked him, wait, wait a minute, what happened to your diet? Well, the man explained how he ended up on that old route and thought, he told them, I was thinking, I wonder if this is a sign from the Lord. Well, of course, the others didn't agree. But he went on to explain that he had prayed. He, he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, if you want me to get donuts, let there be a parking spot right there in the front. Well, one of the office workers said, so you must have found one, right? And the man said, sure enough, I found one right after the eighth time around. <laughs> Well, I think we can all agree that that is not the way to handle temptation. As we continue in our study here in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul gives the Corinthian believers the way to keep from falling into temptation. And it's by understanding how God works when temptation comes around. The title of our message this morning is this, How to Beat Temptation. How to beat temptation. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and just two verses this morning, verse 12 and 13. We ended in verse 11 last week and now we're going to go on here in our study and we're going to take a look at 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now how to beat temptation? Well, it's by the understanding, and this is our outline, we're going to see four things. By the understanding, understanding that number one, you're not beyond it. Number two, you're not the only one. Number three, you're not in over your head. And number four, you're not without options. Now I'll give these to you as we go along. So let's begin with number one here. Let's begin with number one, you're not beyond it. You're not beyond it. How do you beat temptation? Well, by understanding number one, you're not 
beyond it. All right, take a look with me here now. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says here, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Now we begin with this word, therefore. And as you guys have been with, uh, with me, you know, whenever we see that word, we must ask what? What is it there for? Well, whenever you have that word, therefore, it's a conjunction, and you look back to what Paul had written earlier. This word, therefore, connects us to what's above and what we saw last time in chapter 10. Last time Paul wrote about Israel's sins in the wilderness as examples showing, showing after all that God did for them, they still gave into fleshly desires and they didn't deny self. Which, as you remember, to deny self flows from all that we've been studying from chapter 8, chapter 9 on. So it's just flowing in context here. With Israel, Paul showed how God rescued them, freed them from bondage of Egypt, gave them a brand new life with God now that they're his people. God provided and protected them through many incredible miracles. And we saw that last week, yet they still messed up and fell into sin. So what we saw last week, remember Paul said, so hey, don't do what they do. Look at that, their example and learn from the past. And that was the title of our message last week, right? Learn from the past. If you missed it, grab the CD. Now here in verse 12, Paul goes on, but Paul asks the Corinthian believers basically, Basically, they're in a similar place. They've been saved. They've been freed from sin. They've been given a new life in Jesus Christ. They've been provided and protected for by God. Basically, Paul is telling the Corinthian believers to not get overconfident, to think that they would never do what Israel did, that they would never sin like Israel did in the wilderness. So, Paul comes to verse 12 here, and he writes, Therefore, therefore, since Israel fell into sin, even with God right there in the middle of their life, since it happened to them, he, said, he goes on here in verse 12, Let anyone who thinks he stands, if anyone's there thinking that, you know what, I, I'll never sin like Israel. I'm not like them. No ways. Paul says, take heed. When he writes that, that means be on your guard. Watch out, lest you fall, lest you fall into sin just like they did. In other words, don't think you're beyond, yeah, temptation, that temptation, because you think you're stronger than Israel, you think you're better than them, you think you're above this now in your walk with the Lord. He goes, watch out, you're not beyond it. We know Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Right? We understand that our pride messes us up. We think we're okay, but we're really not. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, if you think you can stand, you think you're okay, you think you're not like them, watch out. Watch out. Lest you fall into that same sin too. Hendrickson, the commentator, exp explained it like this. The people of Israel took pride in their standing before God. They alone were God's people. They thought that God would always be on their side. They felt spiritually secure because God had made a covenant with their father Abraham. Paul is saying, hey, watch out. 
if you're think, having that same thoughts. Paul is saying here, be on your guard lest you fall into the same trap of overconfidence by believing you'll never be like Israel. And that's his point here. Be on guard lest you fall into the same trap of overconfidence by believing you'll never be like Israel. You know, I was thinking about, remember in Matthew 26 when Jesus told the disciples that they would soon abandon him. Jesus was talking about he's going to be going to the cross and all that. He's going to die and that, you know what, you guys are, you're going to scatter. You're going to abandon me. And then Peter spoke up in verse 33 of Matthew 16. Peter said, you know what, Jesus, if everyone, if all these guys desert you, not me. I'm not going to desert you. I'm going to be there. I will never, he said in verse 33. Basically, he's saying, I'm not like them. I'm not going to fall. But we know the story, right? Just as Jesus predicted a few hours later before the rooster crowed, right? Peter did. Peter denied even knowing Jesus. He was the worst of all out of the disciples. Paul is saying, hey, be on your guard, you guys, lest you fall into that same trap of overconfidence by believing you'll never be like Israel. Are you like that this morning? Are you like Peter? You know when you're most sure of yourself, that's when you're most likely to fall. We got to watch out, you guys. Are you maybe one to, you know, someone's messing up here or someone has a problem and you have that kind of head shake with your, your lips all smashing you know, mm-hmm. you know? You may not say too much, but it comes out in your body language, right? You're looking down on that person. You're thinking, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. How could they do that? Yeah. Hey, watch out when you think you're immune to that. Watch out when you think that, oh, those guys, yeah, they're no good. That's why they do that, yeah. Watch out because pride has you standing on unstable ground. Sometimes, too, pride blinds us to sin, right? And we think we're okay and it blinds us that, well, no, it's okay. Or what we do is all right and and it blinds us. It's just painted another color, basically. Like the world redefines things to make it sound better, right? God says, hey, fornication is wrong. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. And what does the world call it? Oh, making love. Oh, that sounds so nice. Or it's okay as long as it's safe sex, right? Yeah? Oh, it sounds good, yeah? Oh, yeah, I'm okay with the Lord because, hey, it's just safe sex. Or think of how Satan redefines things. Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on earth. But then Satan paints it as, you know what, God owes it to you for you to be prosperous, yeah? You deserve that. You deserve the riches. You work hard. And it, it sounds nice. But it's really seducing your flesh into looking and going after material things. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not bad to be blessed by the Lord. But things come around and, and you think, well, I'm okay. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with, with having all this stuff and everything. I'm okay with, with, you know, living with a girlfriend. You know, I'm fine. I'm strong in the Lord, you know, kind of thing. Sometimes pride even blinds us to sin and it, it, 
and it just paint, it's, a, it's painted another color. Kay Chaffin in the commentary said, the evil we face in life is a master at disguise and frequently changes the labels on things to confuse us. Paul is saying here, be on guard lest you fall into the same trap of overconfidence, believing, hey, I'm not going to be like Israel. I'm not going to be like them. I'm different. Be on your guard here, guys. Notice here when I was mentioning that we come into temptation being appealed like by the world, by Satan. He comes after us in that way. And our own flesh gives in. So be careful. There's Satan, the world, the flesh all out there battling. Be on your guard. Because when you think you're okay, you know what? The devil has already strategized to come in after you in another way. He knows our weaknesses. He knows exactly. He's been watching us. He knows where he can get to us. Be on your guard, Paul. Watch out, Paul is saying, watch out for that overconfidence, believing, ah, you'll never be like that. In August 1985, one of Spain's greatest matadors, Jose Cubero Sanchez, died in the bullfighting ring. What happened was after he thrust his sword into the bull, one last time he spun around to the cheers of the adoring crowd and he stood there all proud. He killed the bull. But the bull wasn't dead. The bull was still alive. The bull got up and made one final lethal lunge, thrusting his horn right into Jose's heart. And he died. Watch out, you guys. That's Satan. We think we're okay, but be on guard. Don't be all filled with overconfidence thinking you're okay. Well, let's go on here to number two. You're not the only one. Number two, you're not the only one. How to beat temptation by understanding you're not beyond it. And secondly, you're not the only one. Take a look here now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Paul writes, he goes on, he says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. We're going to pause right there. We're going to just take this first part of verse 13. Now Paul goes on, he says, that no temptation has overtaken. The word overtaken means like has come upon you, has, has come into you, into your life, and maybe gripped you in that way. He says, no temptation has overtaken you, come upon you, except that is common to man. That phrase, common to man, is actually one Greek word, and it means that which is human. In other words, the temptations that come into your life are no different than what every other human being experiences. It's common to everybody, common to every person. John MacArthur wrote, we can never have a temptation that has not been experienced by millions of other people. And then he wrote, we are all in the same boat. I like that. We're all in the same boat, you guys. We're all in the same place as human beings, as, as, as people who live on this earth in this body of flesh. We're all, we've all experienced similar and if not the same temptations. Now, understand a few things here. First of all, no one is exempt from temptations. Yeah? 
That's what Paul's saying. No one is exempt from temptations. Don't think that, that something's wrong with you if temptation comes. I mean, I was thinking about, do you remember when, well, us older people, but do you, do you remember when, when you got your first zit on your face? You're like, oh, no, the world was over, right? It, it, no one has that big of a zit, you know, on your face, you know, and you're like, oh, no, and you're all shame and embarrassed. No one ever had that big, you know, that one that big. But that's not true, right? Right? A few days later, someone else, oh, good, he got a bigger one. No, I'm just joking. No one's exempt from temptations. As human beings, as people of God, we're going to face temptations. Secondly, there's another thing you have to understand here is that it is not a sin to be tempted. The sin is when you give into the temptation and you fall into that sin and you do that action, right? That's the sin. But just to be tempted, that's not a sin, Jesus, we know, was sinless, right? Jesus, we know, he never sinned. But we know in the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 4, he was tempted by the devil, three times even. Does that mean Jesus sinned? No, he was sinless. He never sinned. We understand that. So understand, it is not a sin to be tempted. And one more thing I want you to understand, that is God does not tempt anyone. James 1.13 tells us that. God does not tempt anyone, anybody. He, he, he's, he's not the tempter here, right? It's the world. It's the devil. It's our own flesh being desiring these things, but not God. How can he do that anyway? God is holy. God is pure. God has a heart for you. He's, he's not there making you trip up and laugh at you, right? No, he's for you. He loves you. He cares for you. And plus, he's not evil. So God does not tempt anyone at all. John Blanchard said, God has no experience in trafficking in evil. So Paul says, hey, no temptation that has come upon you except such as common to man. In other words, no matter what kind of temptation you experience, you are not alone. You're not the only one. Others have gone through the same thing. That's his point here. Get that into your mind. No matter what kind of temptation you experience, you are not alone in this. You're not that special, I should say. You know, you're not the only one. We all go through these things. And around 2012, 2013, I had had this iPad 3.0. Right, number three, an older one, uh, when it first came out. It was the first one with the retina screen. I got it. I go, oh, I was excited. Now, it started, uh, maybe almost a year later, started to have some problems. The, the, you know the home button, the button you push to kind of get you back to the main screen? It started having problems. You'd push it, and it wasn't working. you push it. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't get do what it was supposed to do. And praise the Lord for Apple Care. After calling Apple, I was able to get a replacement for free. It's like, oh, thank you, Lord, for that. Now, the thing is, though, when the home button started to not work and have problems, you know, right away, my mind went to, oh, no. Why me, right? Why I always end up with the junk one, you know? I always end up with the, the other guys with iPad 3s. Theirs is okay, but why do I always have to get that one, right? 
You ever do this in the store? I, I, sometimes, you know, when I'm buying a product or something, i like, I'm not going to take the first one because that's probably the junk one, yeah? And I'm like, I'm going to take the back one and make sure that's, you know, because I feel like so many times I buy something, all of a sudden that one breaks, and I'm the one with that one junk one that's defective. And that's what I thought right away. Oh, why me? Why don't, you know, I get that junk one. But then uh, my son told me that, hey, Dad, you know what? Other people have been having problems with that home button, and they're having the same problems. And that relieved me. It's like, oh, I'm glad it's not just me, that I'm always this target that gets the junk one. That's the idea, you guys. No matter what kind of temptation you experience, whatever that is, you are not alone in this. You're not the only one. We're all experiencing temptations in different ones and some of the same ones. Find comfort. You're not the target, right, by Satan or God or however this works, right? You're, you're, it's not like, oh, we're going to get him. No, we all are going through this. You're not the only one and find comfort in that. What kind of temptations are you struggling in? What kind of things that, that you have a hard time with? Is it, it, some people struggle with alcohol. Some people struggle with, with drugs. Some people, it's, it's girls. Some people, it's guys. Some people, they lie and they have a problem with that. Some people, they cheat. Uh, is it, like I talked about, money, materialism? Are you struggling with that temptation to get angry because of your Im- impatience coming out? Or do you struggle with, with, with your own self-will as we've been talking about in these messages? Yeah, I want to do what I want. You're stubborn and you're tempted in situations just to, just to default into what you always do. I'm doing what I want and not God's will. Are you giving into the flesh in some certain areas in the temptation? What is that temptation? How about this one? You ever, are you being tempted to doubt God? Because you're looking in the, at the situation. No, I, I can't believe. No. And you fall into that whole doubt thing. Maybe you're even tempted with that to think that God hates you. We've all faced that, right? Raise your hand if, if you ever faced that thought of, I don't, maybe God doesn't like me. Yeah? Have you ever felt that? Yeah. I have. I've thought that in certain situations. And that could be a temptation too. And then we start thinking, no one understands me. No one knows what I'm feeling and what it's like. I'm all alone. Paul's saying, hey, understand in the middle of temptation, you're not the only one. Don't go there. It's only going to roll into this whole thing and discouragement, depression. It's only going to bring you farther away from the Lord and you'll give in to that temptation. You're not the only one. And you know what the greatest thing is? Not, it's not just we've all been through a lot of these temptations, but Jesus understands too. In Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to uh, sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This tells us our high priest, Jesus Christ, he's been through that too. He's been through those struggles too, whatever that is. And so he understands and he can sympathize. He can be there. 
and you have a friend there who can help you through this. I, I, I think this, this says Jesus understands. So, you know, we need to go to him for help. We need to understand we're not the only one. God doesn't hate us. God's not targeting us, you know, and all that. No, we've all been through. It's something as human beings go through, and we have to understand no matter what kind of temptation, you're not alone. And so, you know what? We can go to God and find help. He's the only one who can help you face temptation and beat it. A little girl was asked how she defeats Satan. She said, when Satan comes knocking at the door of my heart, I send Jesus to answer the door. She went on to say, when Satan sees Jesus, he says, oops, I'm sorry, I must have the wrong house. I like that. I like that. You're not beyond it. You're not the only one. And let's go on to number three now. You're never in over your head. You're never in over your head. How to beat temptation by understanding you're not beyond it, you're not the only one, and now you're never in over your head. And I, I, I love this part, this next section. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, he goes on in the middle part of the verse. He says, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able We'll stop right there. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? Paul, Paul's going on here and he says, okay, the good thing is, is even though no one is immune from temptation, we all face it, he says these three words, four words, but God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Know that because that, those three words, God is faithful, connects to what he's about to say. The rest of the verse. God is faithful. You know what he's saying? God will never let you down. God will never let you down. The Lord your God is totally reliable. You can always go to him. You can always rely on him. You, he, he'll keep his word. He'll keep his promises. He'll, he'll do what he's supposed to do. He will do it. God is faithful. And that's so comforting, isn't it? One commentator said, when our faithfulness is tested, we have God's own faithfulness as our resources. And that just speaks to me. I'm so glad because I'm not faithful. I, I'm weak, but I'm so glad God is faithful. So what is God faithful in? Well, here in this section, we see that he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. The English Standard uh, Version, it translates this beyond your ability. I like that. You're never in over your head because God limits the intensity of the temptation. That's what Paul is saying here. Notice Paul says here, not allow, who will not allow. It means God's God is in sovereign control. He's sovereignly in control of the temptations that come into your life. He's the one who allows it. He's the gatekeeper. He's the one. Everything has to pass through in that way. He will not allow. God is sovereignly in control. It means, you know what? Satan has to come through God. Isn't that great to know? 
Satan has to come through God. God uh, uh, Satan doesn't have some free reign on your life and he can come anytime and bring this stuff and attack you and bombard you with things sometimes. Like we see in Job chapter 1, God drew a line in the sand and Satan could not go past that. He couldn't do more than what God said. Nope. You can yeah, go ahead, do this, but you cannot go past this point. Isn't that great to know? You see, God is not just some spectator watching over your life, but he is the Lord over your life. So understand, God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, what your ability is. And Paul's point is this. God knows exactly how much you can and cannot handle. God knows exactly how much you can and cannot handle. So he limits. He, he, he puts a, a little limiting control on how much this tempt, how severe and intense this temptation is. God knows exactly how much you can and cannot handle. So guess what? It's entirely possible for you to not fail in temptation. Isn't that good to know? Since God knows exactly how much you can and cannot handle and he puts a limit on that and, he, and the temptations that come mean that you can handle it, then it's entirely possible for you to not fall in temptation. Think about that. Yeah. That means if you cannot handle it, he's not going to allow it. Right? When the authorities came to take Jesus into custody in John chapter 18, you remember Jesus said, who do you come for? Who do you come to arrest? And what they say? Jesus of Nazareth. And what did Jesus say? Jesus says, I am he. And what happened? Everyone fell over, right? There was a little peek into his deity. There was a little glimpse of who Jesus really was. And that we see by that that Jesus willingly gave up his life. He, he wasn't some, it wasn't some unfortunate circumstance that happened to Jesus and they put him on the cross. No, he willingly went. He could have stopped the whole thing at any moment. Then Jesus asked them again, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And you know what Jesus said after that? He said, I have told you I am he. So you know what? You know these guys, the disciples around me? Just let them go. Let them go. But just take me. Then John writes in, in John 18, he says, This was done so that the word might be fulfilled which he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus, see, Jesus made it clear with a show of power that they leave the disciples alone, that they would not be arrested too. Why is that? Well, they were not ready for such a test. And I think they would have been tempted to give up, and their faith was too weak. Later, when they were more mature in faith, they were able to handle the persecution, and that's what happened. But at this time, Jesus protected them. Jesus did not allow that to happen. So God knows exactly how much you can handle. He knows what it is and he puts limits on that so it's entirely possible for you to not fail in temptation. Now understand this doesn't mean you will never fail, but know that any failure is not because the, the temptation was more than you could handle. Isn't that good to know? 
For the child of God, God knows the breaking point. I read about when the Union Pacific Railroad built a bridge across a large canyon. The builder, then an engineer, he loaded a train of boxcars with twice the normal payload and parked it on the bridge and let it sit there for like two weeks. One of the workers who labored so hard on the bridge was upset. He's like, what are you trying to do? Are you, just tr are you trying to break the bridge after all the, all the work that we did? Well, the engineer, this builder, replied and said, no, I'm proving it's unbreakable. Perhaps God is allowing some temptation in your life to show you that it's winnable, to show you it's possible for you to not fail in that temptation because he knows how much we can handle. Some great truths here. Let's move on here to number four now. You are never without options. You're never without options. How to beat the temptation? Well, it's by understanding, number one, you're not beyond it. Number two, you're not the only one. Number three, you're never in over your head. And number four, you're never without options. You're never without options. Paul finishes up here in verse 13, 1 Corinthians 10. He says, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God is faithful, right? God's not going to give you too much that you, you, you cannot handle. But here's the second way God is faithful. He says, but with the temptation, with this God-limited winnable temptation, God will always make or provide the way of escape. Now, these three words, the way of escape is, again, one Greek word, and the Greek word is ekbasis, ek, ekbasis. And it means escape route, basically, in our language. I like that, way of escape, an escape route, a, a, a place out. Barclay actually uh, talks about this, and, and it means, he says it means it's, it's the way through the mountain. And the idea is when an army is trapped and the enemy's there, then they see this escape route. This, this escape route to safety is way through this mountain pass. So Barclay's saying, hey, this really what the, they would use for the mountain pass, the escape through the mountain pass. So Paul's like, hey, look for what God will always provide, the way out of giving yourself over to sin. Don't we understand? A way out, the out for us, yeah? God will always provide that. I love something John Phillips wrote in his commentary about this. He said, we have two options. We can give in to the temptation or we can give in to the Holy Spirit. Because God's going to provide a way out. We got to be looking, listening. What is the Holy Spirit saying? And this way out, this way of escape God helps you at the end of verse 13 that you may be able to bear it. God helps you to bear it or endure it. That means that you would have that strength to not cave in to that temptation but take that way of escape. That you would not give in and sin but you will be looking for that way of escape. He's going to help you bear it, endure it, stand up to it. So with God's help, you can endure temptation's intensity and make it out on the other side. Inside a store, this little boy was standing by the candy and it seemed like he was going to put some in his pocket 
and walk out. A clerk who had been watching him for a long time finally spoke and said, Hey, hey, you kid, it looks like you want to take some candy. And the boy said, You're wrong, mister, you're wrong. I'm not trying to. That's the idea. We're trying to bear the temptation. We're trying to endure it so we do not sin. So our last point for this morning is this. In times of intense temptation, God will help you to not cave in because he's giving you options to take. In in times of intense temptation, God will help you to not cave in because you're never without options. God is there to help us, you guys. God is there to help you. Whatever that is you're facing, even maybe you've come in here today and you've been struggling with something, struggling with the temptation. You know what? God is there to endure. You've made it this far only because of the Lord. And you know what? He's giving you options. You're never without options when the temptations come. Times of intense temptation, God will help you to not cave in because you're never you will never be without options. You remember when King David strolled out on his lanai, one, his lanai one evening and he saw Bathsheba bathing on, the, on her rooftop, you know, across the way. David chose to give in to temptation and committed adultery. And, and we know the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11. But understand this. It's not like the Lord didn't give him a way of escape an escape route. It wasn't like the Lord didn't give David some options for him to not give in to that temptation. Matter of fact, the Lord gave him five options, five opportunities. I'll tell you, the first one is when David happened to walk out and and, and when Bathsheba was naked on the roof. I mean, when he happened to go out at that time, it smells like the devil's trap right there, right? It's, it smells like a trap. It's a perfect setup. David should have known there's something not right here. There's something fishy here. Second thing, when David inquired of, of, of Bathsheba, wanted her to come to the palace, someone told David, hey, isn't that Bathsheba you're talking about? Isn't that Bathsheba? In other words, David, she's a person with a name, with a soul that God loves, something else. A third opportunity for escape was then they said, hey, I know Bathsheba. That's uh, Eliam's daughter. David should have known. Hey, she's, she's someone's child. She's a daughter of a father, a daughter of a mother, a child who was loved and who has been raised by her parents. And then God brought him a, a fourth way of escape. David would have recognized Eliam is the son of Ahithophel. And Ahithophel is David's trusted advisor. He knows the family. He knows them. So Bathsheba is not only a daughter, but a precious granddaughter to one of his trusted advisors. The fifth option and way of escape that David was given by the Lord. Then they said this. They added, hey, David, that's Uriah's wife. 
He's, he's a wife of one of the brave soldiers in your army that's out there fighting right now. That was that last opportunity to escape temptation was to see that Bathsheba was someone else's wife. She's married. I mean, think about it, David. How would you feel? Yeah, how would her husband feel? I mean, what do you, what, how, how would he feel about how you're thinking about her? How would God feel? This is someone else's wife. She's married. Sadly, with five escape routes, he chose to sin. Listen, because God will never give us more than we can handle, because he always provides a way out of temptation, the way we fail is when we choose to fail. The way we fail is when we choose to fail. God is faithful, right? He's always going to have a way of escape. He's always going to bring something in or another distraction or the phone rings or, or someone walks in the room or someone says, quote scripture to you or someone says, I'm going to pray for you. Something will happen because God is faithful. But when we choose to sin, it's because we choose to fail. Because the way we fail is when we choose to fail. Is that how you've been consistently operating? Is that the way you've been? You, you just, there it is, you just go. Without thinking about that God is helping you, wanting you to take this escape route, this find escape hatch, get out of there that there's another option in temptation than just giving in. Maybe David lingered too long on the roof. Maybe he should have walked away. And maybe that's what we got to do. We got to walk away. We got to run. We got to get out of there, right? I mean, just like Joseph did with Potiphar's wife. We cannot just stay there. And then maybe the escape route is to escape, yeah? It's like the little boy who was found in the pantry uh, by his mother. He had taken down the cookie jar and sat down on the floor with it. And a mom caught him there and, and said, what are you doing there inside the pantry? And the little boy said, I'm sitting here fighting temptation. <laughs> he should have gotten out of there. That's fighting temptation, right? It's better to get out of there. It's better to run. You know why? It's like what Oscar Wilde said. I can resist everything but temptation. <laughs> So how can you fight temptation by the understanding, right? You're not beyond it. You're not the only one. You're not in over your head. You're not without options. But it all means nothing, you guys, if you don't take that option. The thing is, you got to be serious. We got to be serious. Hey, as we come into January of uh, 2018, this is January, the first month, the first Sunday of the new year, as, we, as we're going to be partaking communion together, let's all make that commitment that we're going to be serious. We're, we're not going to let temptation get the best of us. We're going to beat temptation this year. We're, we're, we're going to know how to handle it from what the Lord is showing us this year. We are no longer just going to be Satan's patsy and do whatever he wants us to do and whatever he dangles in front of us. Oh, yeah, here we go. You know, kind of thing. No. No. Let's live for God, you guys. Let's be serious because it's so 
easy to give in to that temptation. It's so easy not to be serious. It's so easy just to, just to give in to our flesh and do whatever we're tempted to do. Let's not do that. Let's be serious in 2018. I'll close with this. In the days of civil war, in the civil war, it was illegal to trade cotton, but many tried to smuggle it in from the south to the north and make a profit on the black market. One dealer offered this Mississippi steamboat captain $100 to transport the contraband upriver. The, the captain declined, reminding him, this is illegal. I'll give you $500, said the black market dealer. The captain said, no. The man offered $1,000 then. The captain said, no. Then the man said, look, look, captain, I'll give you $3,000 to take this upriver. At that, the captain pulled out his pistol, pointed it to the man's head and said, get, sir, get off this boat. You are coming too near my price. Good, huh? We got to be serious like that. We got to know our own weaknesses because Satan is already targeting them. And we got to keep the principles of these two verses by our side throughout the whole year. For this is how to beat temptation. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for these two verses this morning, God, and it's something I want to hold in my pocket. So many times, Lord, we're tempted. Situations, Lord, um, circumstances, things that go by our eyes, or maybe it's desires in us, Lord, that tend to go into the flesh and we, we are pulled by them. And Lord, we need your help. We come to you, Lord. And like the little girl, God, Lord, when Satan comes knocking on the door, you answer, Lord, because we know we are weak and we know we can fail you and fall so easily. Lord, help us to be Akamai, Lord. Help us to understand what our weaknesses are and see it for what it is and not be overconfident, but know we got to even put more guards up in that area. Lord, help us today, God, to understand we're not beyond it. We're not more spiritual, Lord. Any one of us can fall. We're not the only one, Lord. And thank you, God, that we're never in over our head, that you're right there, God, limiting what comes, and it's winnable. It's possible to, to beat it. It's possible that we can overcome temptation. And thank you when, when, when we're in the middle of that battle and it's fierce and the temptation is intense, that we are not without options, Lord. That we, there is not just one option to give in, but there's two or three. Or like David, you gave him five. You, didn't, you kept reaching out. You kept reaching out. So, Lord, keep reaching out, Lord, in those situations. And, God, may we, a year from now, look back on 2018 and have a good record, Lord, that we would have more wins than losses and that we would understand and with these scriptures be able to, to live for you and beat temptation, to not fail you and be faithful like you're faithful to us. So, Lord, I pray that you help each one of us, and I pray for those today that are struggling, Lord, with something. Something maybe they've been struggling for a long time, that you would free them and release them, and may they walk, Lord, stronger, God as they leave here.
We pray for those who, who have failed and who have fallen, Lord. God, as we come before you, we ask, Lord, that you cleanse us and forgive us and that you, you would help us, Lord, not to give in again. And, Lord, I pray for all of us that as we make a commitment, God, to look for the ways out, to understand these truths, to not be overconfident, that we continue to deny our flesh, deny ourself, Lord, and surrender totally to you. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.